So I'd like to start off the sermon today with 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 a map. Is, is that okay? All right. So let's let's look at this map, and this is a closer version of the promised land. Okay. So even though it's not labeled, this river right here that's flowing into the Dead Sea is the Jordan, and you know, and Shittim is where the Israelites formed up, gathered up, they cross over the, the Jordan. And the reason why Gilgal is here is when they grab the stones in the middle of the Jordan and they put them on their shoulders, one for each tribe, and they go, Gilgal is where the stones end up. And that's important in our study throughout this year. Gilgal is going to come up and they're there's going to be some apostasy going on. And it's like, why Gilgal? It's because the stones there become a hindrance. Rather than a memorial, people feel like, oh, this is the place where I can meet God rather than going to the temple. Okay, so it becomes a high place. But right now, they are obeying what God has told them to do, and they put the stones there. Then they go to Jericho, which is the first big walled city. Filled with inhabitants, and they need to take it. Okay? And then, from our reading, we know that they did indeed take it. They marched around every day for seven days, and then the last day they marched seven times, and then they just shouted, and the walls came down, and they took Jericho. Okay? So then, when we get to Joshua chapter 7. That success has already been achieved, and they go to the next place, which is I. Now, I and Jericho are only about 15 miles apart. However, Jericho sits at about 800 feet below sea level. I mean, it's down deep, okay? And then I is at about 2,500 feet above. So this is an arduous journey up. This is an uphill battle. Okay? So they go up. So let's read chapter 7 together and find out what happens. If you've read it, you already know, but let's do it again. Okay? Nothing like coming to church and reading a chapter of Scripture. That's what I say. And since I have the microphone, I can say it. All right, so listen, you can read it up here if you want. We may not have it up because I got late to do that. But you can read it in, I don't know, your Bible. So turn so others read it. Or if you have it on, on your phone or your tablet. Let's, or if you've memorized it. I don't want to dismiss those that have read. Dis, you know, never mind. All right, so let's read this. Joshua chapter 7. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, and of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. One of the things in your reading you will discover, the way the, um, the writings go, is that you get a big statement. We've already known what happened. I mean, it's, the whole thing has just been told in verse 1 of the entire chapter. And then the rest of the chapter gets down to the specifics. 
Okay, so we already know who the bad guy is. It's Achan. And it gives the lineage. He took some of the devoted things. Okay? Verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Now, it's important to go, why did they call it I? Sometimes, when they give you the name of the location of something, it's what it is called now. Okay? I, in Hebrew, means ruins. Okay? So, they weren't ruins until later. They're the ruins. So the, the, the indefinite article is in there, so it's the, the ruins. Okay? The reason why that's important is because after the Israelites go, through, <laughs> go throughout Israel, there's a bunch of ruins. So you can see that it's identified. Those are the ruins by Bethel. Okay? And so uh, we'll, we'll go on. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against I. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few thousand people, only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of I, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries, and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. What? Okay. So, when they... when they, Joshua sends the spies, and they say, it's just a small city. There's, don't trouble the whole army. Just send two or three thousand. Okay? Now, what the men are speaking, the spies are speaking to Joshua. This could be overconfidence. It could be faith in God. Okay? It could be any any of those things, but because of what they've done, the spying, they realize this isn't worth the whole effort of the of the people of Israel, the, the soldiers, to take the city. I mean, if we took Jericho, we can take I. Okay? What you don't see, you see Joshua sending some spies, just like he did to, to spy out Jericho. And remember, Rahab hides the spies? Okay. Nowhere do we see Joshua seeking the Lord of what should be done. He just sends them out on his own accord. No, no seeking. Which, what should we do? What should we do, God? He says, oh, let's go to I. Let's do it. And I'll send some spies just like last time. Only trouble is the few people that were in I and the men fought back this 3,000 and 36 Israelites are killed. And it says the entire camp in Israel melted 
like water. They were just downcast. Why? Because in the entire attack on Jericho, they lost zero. When they got to Ai, they've already lost 36. So if they send 3,000, 36 people die, 1%. So if, as in military terms, that's probably negligible. But within the campaign in Israel, this is super significant in many ways. And what's it's interesting to see. You remember when Rahab talks to the spies and he says, we've heard about what happened. We heard about God drying up the Red Sea. We heard about what happened crossing the Jordan. And we melted with fear. And it's the same word. Melt in fear and became like water. This is the exact same language that Rahab talked about the people of Jericho. Now the people of Israel are doing the exact same thing. They're becoming just like the people of Jericho. Wow. And why? I mean, from a military standpoint, from, from Joshua's standpoint, every, he knows everybody in the promised land has heard of them, and they haven't been defeated. No one has died. And now, all of a sudden, there's been defeat? Okay, they are still a smaller minority within Canaan. They could be destroyed. If, now other people are like, hey, they could be defeated. Hey, maybe we can attack them. Okay? So what does Joshua do? Then Joshua tore his robes, tore his clothes, and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe us out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Does any of this stuff sound familiar? Do you remember when the Israelites were coming up to the promised land for the first time? And they get to Kadesh Barnea? And they, they sent spies out? And then they came back? And there were 12 spies. Two said, we can take this land. And the 10 said, oh, that if we had just stayed in Egypt. Oh, God, you just want us to die and our children be taken away. Okay. Joshua's getting close to sounding very much like those people. Remember, that they, none of them made it to the promised land. They experienced defeat, and Joshua, I think, is honestly going to God and saying, Hey, what's up? I mean, because you think in Joshua's mind, Joshua, didn't you tell us to cross into the promised land? Didn't you tell us that you'd be with us? Yeah. But this is a covenant relationship. There has been something. The covenant has been broken by someone. 
but he goes to God first rather than, I mean, I think the proper response like, okay, what did we do wrong? Not holding God responsible. And this, notice what God tells Joshua in the next thing. And also need to point out that Joshua at the very end talks about, well, if we get defeated, what's going to happen to your great name? That's much more like Moses, who was more concerned because God says, I'm going to wipe out this stubborn, rebellious people. And Moses said, what, what about your name? Because then people will say, well, he wasn't able to get his people into the promised land. So Joshua was obviously concerned about God's name. And the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, and they have lied. They have put them in their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Devoted to destruction. God says, devoted to destruction. What is he doing? What is he? First of all, he tells Joshua, stand up. It's not your time to have self-pity party and cry to me about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. It's time for action. Get up. Because right now, you are devoted to destruction. Where do we get that? Where do, what is this devoted to destruction? Well, in the previous chapter, in Joshua chapter 6, verses 15 through 19, it says, On the seventh day they got up at daybreak and marched around the city, this is Jericho, seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city of all that is in in it are to be devoted to the Lord. It means it all goes to God. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. I mean, God's treasury. So, everyone knows, when you go to Jericho and God gives you the city, everything goes to God. There's total annihilation of the people, all the quote-unquote, plunder is supposed to be given to God. Okay? Total obedience. Verse 13 of, of Joshua 7. Go consecrate your, the people. Tell them, consecrate yourself in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe 
The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward, clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward, family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward, man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Notice the division of makeup. He goes by tribe and by clan and by families and by man. And when it means man, it means a man and his wife and his children were all considered part of that group. Okay, so in the morning... Verse 16, early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerites were chosen. He had the clan of Zerites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, and the tribe of Judah was chosen. We don't really know how they chose. Be chosen by lots. I think it was probably done by the Urim and Theum. And that was the things that was in the breastplate of the high priest and was used for finding out what God wants to do. And you had two articles and you were able to figure out the Urim and the Thummim are known as the curses and the faultless. Okay, so you determine who was cursed and who was faultless. And so maybe dividing out, okay, let's let's figure out who's which tribe Judas picked. You know, which clan? Find out. What which family? Okay, and which part of the family? And the guilty party, because they're relying on God to decide them, they're not doing it by, well, you look a little guilty. No, they're allowing God to pick and to choose who was the offender. And then Joshua, verse 19, then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done, and do not hide it from me. In the English, that sounds sort of, My son, give glory to God. I mean, he's just kind of being nice about it, but in the Hebrew context, when it says my son, this is Joshua, the leader, speaking to a subordinate. And if you think about it, only, I mean, Joshua's 90 at this age, and there's only two that are that age, Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else has been wiped out. There is a large dividing line of young and old because Joshua and Caleb are the only two that have been around since the start of this journey. So when he says, my son, he's, I'm not sure it's so, my son, be nice. It's like, my son. And notice it says, give glory to God. In the Hebrew, praising God and confessing to God have the same root. Isn't that interesting? Never thought about when we praise God, we should be confessing. We can confess to God that he's God, and we can confess that he's amazing. We can confess our sins. And that still brings glory to God. 
So he tells Achan, okay, the, the crazy thing about Achan is he knows that there's been defeat in Israel. He knows 36, 36 men's lives have been snuffed out in the, in the part of the Israelites. But yet, he doesn't say, listen, I, I, I did wrong. No, he waits for the division, for the picking out of his tribe, for the picking out of the clan, for the picking out of the family. Did he think he was going to get away with it? But his silence, his secret sin, he continues to hide until the point in time when God says, you are the guy that took the things. And so when Joshua says, give glory to God, confess, son. And only then and only then does he say, yeah, it was me. Achan replied, this is verse 20, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath it. He finally confesses. But did you notice the way he said it? I saw, I coveted, and I took. You know where we've seen that before? Chapter 3 of Genesis. When Eve, she, she sees the fruit, she understands that it's good for attaining knowledge, and she takes it and gives it to her husband. This is the exact same language. Huh. Contrary to what God has told Adam and Eve to do, contrary to what Joshua told the people that God said you should do, devoted things, they let their desires, their sight, their desires, their covetousness, and they did something they weren't supposed to do. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his, in his tent, with the silver underneath it. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Even though Achan has said this has happened, Joshua, being a righteous man, sends people back to the tent, and they find it just as he has. And they bring it, and they spread it out before the Lord. This is in front of the tent of meeting. As evidence, and there's more than two, more than two people. Remember, you need to have two eyewitnesses for something to be established. Joshua is obeying the law and taking care of this, and he spreads it out. This was devoted to God, and you took it and you buried it under your tent, thinking that no one would, that God wouldn't notice. Then Joshua, together with Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe. The gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Acre. Now listen. Did you see all that they took? 
not only the robe and the silver and the gold, the cattle, the sheep, the, wait, what? Okay, this is not, Achan is not some poor guy who's got nothing, so he was attracted to the gold and the silver and a pretty robe. This is a very rich man in Israel, and yet he took more. Now, this could have been a rationalization on his part. Listen, we're going into a new land, strange land. I don't know how it's going to end. I might need some extra cash on the hand. I don't know. If he wanted a little bit more security, he said, oh, no one's going to notice this. I'll take it. He rationalized it, but he clearly didn't need it. And so he's taken to the valley of Acorn. Acorn means trouble. It probably wasn't named that until after they took him to this valley and they stoned him. Then Joshua, together with all the Israel, took Achan. Okay, sorry. Joshua says, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. The Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Acre ever since. Now, there's some question whether he and his children were killed. That's sort of against our, our basis, our sense of justice. Two things. In the Hebrew, when they talk about Achan, they talk about the singular. So, we don't, not, we don't know for sure if his children were actually, when it talks about the whole group. However, they had every right to be killed because he was over them. Listen, you can't bury a, something in your tent without the people in your tent know what's going on. They could be complicit. Okay? They knew and they didn't say anything either. But it was important. What does that mean to us today? What does that mean? Listen, I had you all stand up if you sinned this week. I did too. Don't believe the lie that your sin is only going to hurt you. Because it can hurt more. It continues to hurt more. Remember the lie people said, well, you know what? What I do behind my, behind my closed doors is nobody's business but my own. Listen, when you sin, sin becomes devastating to more than just you. God knows how it works. And he doesn't want sin. I could, I could probably say all of us have some sort of secret sin that we think, well, no one knows about. It's not hurting anybody. But I'm telling you, it can. We've seen it in the church. And it's hard. So instead of waiting till that sin finds you out and it gets so bad that everyone finds out about it, go and confess to God. Get it done. Get it taken care of. Say, okay, you, okay, you know what, Pastor Mark? This is Old Testament. This is good. This is stuff that um, c- can affect us. But I think it's Old Testament, not New Testament. Well, let me give you some New Testament. 
Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 6-13. He says, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? I'll stop right there. Did you know that your sin can affect other people within this body? That's how serious it is. Listen, there are times when I know that as a pastor, I have an umbrella over you guys. And if I'm sinning, I can leave the door open for all kinds of things that could happen to the people that I love and care about. That's a huge responsibility. Does that stop me from sinning? Sometimes. Other times, I'm still selfish. Huh? I'm still going to do it. Okay? Sometimes I do it with... Didn't even mean to. So, like, I, I can confess right now, within this body, Mia, I told you that I was going to run eight miles. You know what? I didn't. I only made it 6.2. I was tired. I stopped. But I told you I was going to run eight. That, that's a lie. I didn't mean to lie, but I did. Will you forgive me? Okay. See, it, it's done. It's just as simple as that. But we need to be we need to be open and vulnerable and kind to one another and be able to hold each other accountable in a loving, kind way. You know, the best thing that ever happened to the Israelites was the defeat in I. Because they knew God was serious about obedience. In the New Testament, anybody heard of Ananias and Sapphira? It seems like the first time God says to do something and you don't do it, oh, something drastic happens. I think... God makes it exemplary so that we get get our attention. Does that sound good? Does that speak to you today? Won't you stand? Sherianne, what am I supposed to do? Okay, very good. You guys hungry? Yeah, look, I took a little bit. I took seven minutes longer. Ha! I'm hungry too. Father God, we come before you. We thank you and praise you for all that you do. Thank you for your word. Lord, help this word penetrate our heart. If there's stuff in our lives that need to be addressed and taken care of, those secret things that we think nobody sees, including you, help us to address them. Help us to be freed from them. Lord, we don't, we don't stone people anymore. I know that. You know why we don't stone people? Because someone's already paid the price for our sins. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for doing that. We're so grateful. Father God, as we fellowship together, as we walk across the breezeway, as we thank people for all of their service within our community for 2019, Lord, I pray that you'll bless this food, bless our time together, bless our speech one to another. Help us to show love and kindness to everyone we come in contact with. We thank you and praise you for all that you do. We give glory to you. We give praise to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.